So we've been in this series, and along the way, we've actually been going through the vision that, is, that your church has and has always had, and we're also going through, believe that that is God's vision for you as well, to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. Um, last week, we talked about purpose, and we, we found out, that, you know what, God has created us for a purpose to serve and make a difference in the lives of others. And so that means today, we are going to be talking about making a difference. So I didn't really have a, a big title for the message today, and so you could, I guess, use this as a title, just what does it look like to make a difference? Plain and simple, what does it look like to make a difference? And another way you could put it is, what does it look like to be a person of influence, to be an influential person? And we've got a, a whole bunch of people nowadays in a world full of influencers. We're in a world full of these people that call themselves influencers, and I think it's a, a term that's kind of been hijacked by culture. It's a term that's now tied to brands, to products. Its, it's new definition might sound something like this. An influencer is someone who has the, the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others. That's now kind of what an influencer is. Someone that can get you to spend money on something. Somebody that can motivate you through social media, through their celebrity, through their status, to get your pockets to spend on something. Wow, I like those guy's shoes. I like his watch. Or wow, they're drinking that thing. And it, an influencer is someone that can motivate you to spend. And I mean, I guess that's true. They're moving you towards something. But I've got to think, man, there's got to be more to it than just getting you to spend something. So I want to try to do something today. And it's to speak about not just spending something in your pocket, but spending something that you can pour your life into. What I want to try to do today is reclaim the word influence. And I want each of you to see yourself as an influencer, that you have influence, that you can make a difference. And for those of you that are followers of Jesus, he says the exact same thing. It's not just me up here giving a motivational speech. This is something Jesus says to his followers, and he's saying it to you. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Starts off like this. You, he's speaking this to his disciples, but also to you. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying, you're a light. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a light that can shine bright in the darkness. That's what Jesus wants us to be. That's what he wants his church to be, influential. We turned off all these lights. You can still see a little bit because there was still light shining. Light always wins when it comes against darkness. And God has called you to be an influence in this community. So what does it take to be an influential person? What does it take to be a type of church that's really making a difference? That's being a light that shines. Last week we talked about serving, and I believe serving is a way that we can shine our light. But I think there's also something that, it's a power we all have. And we all use it in one way or the other, but there's, sometimes we become a little bit timid in using this power. And this power is your voice. Your voice carries a lot of weight and tremendous influence. And if you're going to use the power of your voice, that means you're going to have to have conversations with people, like real people. Like I could give them a high five type people. I might smell their stinky breath type people. Like you're going to have to have real face-to-face -face conversations with humans, not just social media posts, not just rants, 
not even just sharing awesome quotes that you think are great. All, that could be an awesome thing to do, but that's not a conversation. You're going to have to use your voice to speak to people, to connect with others. And if you're like me, I'm a little awkward when it comes to conversations. And conversations can become awkward. Sometimes they take place in awkward places. Men, the urinal. That is not a good place to have a conversation with somebody. But some of you guys, I've got a friend here today that has no problem standing next and just full on conversation. Like I'm trapped. This is not what I want today to do is have a conversation with you. No, absolutely not. Here's another one. Sometimes we ask awkward questions. Hopefully none of you have ever done this. If you have, oh man. If you've ever done this, this is, this is scary, don't do it. Don't walk up to somebody and say, oh, how far along are you? What are you expecting? You're about to be expecting a hit upside the head. Like, just don't assume ever that somebody is pregnant. Maybe they just like uh, baggy clothes or it's just been cake week. Who knows, Okay. <laughs> Even if they're doing this, just maybe they got an upset stomach. I know this is like the universal sign that women taking pictures to let people know I don't have a belly, I'm actually just pregnant. But still, just ignore it and move on. And sometimes it's we don't know how to start a conversation. We're like, what do I say? How do I start a conversation with somebody? I had a friend growing up in like late high school, early college that had zero problem with starting conversations with girls. And he used the same stupid pickup line every single time. And I watched him do this over and over again. And it went like this every time. He'd walk up and say, hey, can I ask you a question? And he was real smooth and not like me at all. And they'd go, you know, people, when you, when you just walk up to a random person and say, hey, can I ask you a question? You get their attention, but they're like, what do you want? He said, have you ever stolen anything? And we all know where this is going. And he'd go, man, because you stole my attention. And he'd give, he'd like, ah, oh, and it was the stupidest thing. But he got so many phone numbers from such a horrible conversation starter. And it always was amazing to me. But conversations can be awkward. Whether it's an awkward place, an awkward question, how do I jump in? You got to get over the awkward sometimes and just start. And just open up the door to conversation that can lead eventually to life change. And today I want to look at a conversation that led to someone becoming an incredible influencer. But it started with a conversation. And the conversation led to another conversation, and led to another conversation. And eventually, this conversation led to this person saying something big and bold that changed the whole entire community. John 4, chapter 4, verse 29. This statement, Come and see a man who told me everything I did. Let's pray. God, we thank you for scripture. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would just move upon us today. God, help your word to speak loud. God, and my voice just be in the background. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So today, again, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to be an influencer. And honestly, I would hope some of you guys could, you know, someday be what the you know, modern term of influencer is. I have no problem with that if you're doing it the right way. What the problem is, is a lot of time we believe that we can't be influential unless we have this big platform. And we've been taught that the size of your platform determines the scope of your influence. But I think it starts with something different. It doesn't start with platform. It starts with just the person in front of you. 
It starts with the person in front of you. It always starts with people. And the good news is we all have people in our lives, whether we like them or not. They're all around us. You guys are sitting next to people right now. So we have people that we come in contact with every single day. And I want to talk today through possibly my favorite story in all of Scripture. And it's the most unlikely influencer in the New Testament. And we're actually going to come back to what I think is the best part of this story next week. I'm sorry, so you're going to have to come back next week. We're going to come back to the best part of this passage. But I want to give you a brief overview so we can, we're going to actually jump ahead towards the end. But let me give you a brief summary. We'll have to come back next week to hear the rest. But the context of this, Jesus, he's on a trip. He's on a trip and his journey is going to pass through Samaria. This would have been really surprising to his disciples because this was not an area that they would usually go through. They would avoid this area. Jews didn't interact with Samaritans because Samaritans were half Jewish. They worshiped in the wrong way. They did things that were not ways that they would live and they justified all the things that they did. The Jews hated Samaritans. They, see, they, they saw them as worse than dogs. So they saw this people group as just lowly, unimportant. These are worse than dogs. Avoid them at all costs. But while they were passing through, Jesus stops at the community's little gathering spot, a well where you'd go to get water. He sends his disciples into town and he has a one-on-one personal conversation with a Samaritan. But this wasn't just a Samaritan. It was a woman. And I, I hate to say it, but women were not seen as something of value in that day. They were, a lot of them were, it was seen as just lower than a second-class citizen. Whether they were Samaritan or not, a woman wasn't allowed in certain parts of the synagogue where scripture would have been read. And there was rabbinic teaching that said this, said better that scripture be burned than read by a woman. So think about this. You've got a people group that are looked down upon, a gender that's looked down upon. And at that well, Jesus is sitting and waiting, prepared to have a conversation with not just a Samaritan, not just a woman, but an outcast woman. A woman who'd been married multiple times, a woman because of this who would have been shunned by our people, a woman who came to get water from this well during the heat of the day so she could hopefully just avoid the people that were there. But Jesus sits and he has one of the most meaningful conversations of all of, in all of scripture with this Samaritan woman. It's one of the longest recorded conversations Jesus has because doing he's sitting there And in all this, he doesn't see her as an outcast. He doesn't see her as someone that is less than. He sees her as a miracle and an influencer waiting to happen. You just need to have an interaction with Jesus. Knowing that a touch from heaven could change her life and impact an entire community. And this incredible conversation begins to take place. It wouldn't be just any kind of conversation. This would be one of the very first times that Jesus would reveal himself as the Messiah, the Christ, the one that was been promised, the king that had come. This is one of the first times he's revealed himself this way. And I, I want to get badly into this, why she's at this well, but next week we're going to talk about this whole conversation. But eventually, he speaks to her with respect. He speaks to her with hope. He speaks to her with truth. He reveals that he knows everything. I know the truth about your past. 
I know the truth about your present. I know what's gone on in your life. And as he begins to speak about these truths, it actually begins to, to change her heart and set her free. And as a side note, you know, sometimes we're avoidant to speak truth. We, we, we run away from this word sin. And we don't want to talk about the sin in our own life. We don't want to go to the people that we know have issues with their life and speak to them about, man, God's got a better way and a plan for you. But the truth is actually what set her free. And Jesus speaks in John 8, 32. It says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Jesus is truth. When you know him, when you know that he's got a better thing for you, that you've got sin that's got to be reconciled in your life, it'll actually start to set you free and down a different path. You can't be afraid to talk about these things. You just have to do them in the right way. The truth sets her free. He tells her that he knows. And as he's talking to her, it all dawns on her, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've heard there was a Messiah coming and that's where we'll pick up in verse 25. Like I said, I glossed over the best part. We'll come back to it next week. But verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. He reveals himself to this woman, who he is. Just then the disciples come back. They're shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want from her or why are you talking to her? I love that we do this. We all do this. We judge other people and then we just say it to ourselves. And so they're walking up and like, why is he talking to that Samaritan woman? What's going on right here? But they just mumble it and grumble it to themselves. But God was doing something. Jesus was doing something. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She left what she came for because she got something better. I have to stop or I'll start preaching next week's message. But she said, come and see a man who told me everything. Could he be the Messiah? There's some things that even just from the glimpse of the back end of this story that I want to just really speak into today. And the first one is this. If you think your life is nothing but a mess, Jesus sees you as a miracle. Sometimes we, we think our life, I, I, what am I? I'm, I? Yeah, your life may be a mess, but Jesus said, I can work with mess. You just got to submit it to me. Let me turn mess into miracle. Watch what I can do when you hand the mess to me. So if you're just sitting here thinking my life is just a mess, surrender to Jesus. At least you've come to the, the, the grips with the truth of who you are. Give it to Jesus and say, okay, and he'll give you a purpose. No matter how bad your life is messed up, you're never too far from the love of Jesus. Her story also shows us this. You don't have to have it all together to influence someone towards Jesus. She didn't all of a sudden meet Jesus and come to this revelation that he's the Messiah and then all of a sudden get a, a, a degree in scripture. She didn't all of a sudden have somebody anoint her as the next person to pronounce the gospel. She just knew, I was one way and I've met this guy who set me free from this and I need you to just know about him. Sometimes we can get stuck thinking, I'm not ready yet. I gotta, get, I gotta know the thing. I gotta understand the thing. Let me tell you something. You don't have to pray the loudest, longest prayers. 
You don't have to have a Bible degree. You just, sometimes you don't even know where, need to know exactly where this, sometimes we go, it's in there somewhere. I'll find it with you. I know there's this verse and this is what it says. It's in there somewhere. Just, you got to start going out and telling people about the love of Jesus. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know him. You don't have to know it all. God cares deeply about you. He'll give you the words that you need. And if you really understand what God has set you free from and you're just keeping it to yourself, you just took in a gift and said, this is mine, I'm hoarding it to myself and I don't, I, I, I'll keep it. That's not why you've been given a gift. You've been given a gift to share it with others. God cares deeply about you and he wants you to care deeply about others. Amen. There's people around you that you have influence with to love. And you can make a difference and be a light in this world. Sometimes we think, well, I can do that. Man, I'm just waiting for my right opportunity. I'm waiting for the right platform. And sometimes we think, I want God to use me to reach and impact hundreds and maybe thousands or even just, just a bigger group of people. Let me tell you and remind you of something. Jesus taught and fed thousands. There's nothing wrong with that. But he revealed himself as the Messiah in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. He gave up who he was in just a, time, a moment of intimacy, of conversation. I'm not against speaking to big crowds and gathering together in large spaces, but there's something different that can happen when you're just sitting face to face with somebody. You can be a difference maker and an influencer, but you have to be bold. You have to let your light shine. It's not always convenient. Sometimes it's not the person that you want to talk to. It may feel a little awkward, Hopefully it's not in the urinal. Don't do that, okay? But one simple conversation can impact somebody's life and turn them towards Jesus. One moment of encouragement. One word that just shows that God loves somebody. One little time when you just say something that just all of a sudden God sparks to you like, okay, I need to say this to this person. That woman, she goes back to the village because she has an interaction with Jesus. The disciples come back to Jesus with lunch they come back with their lunch because he told them to go get lunch. And they come back with lunch. Maybe they had Tostitos and Oreos, right, guys? Come on. Yeah, probably not. They come back and they're like, okay, we brought you, here's, here's lunch, aren't you hungry? And Jesus, he kind of Jesus jukes him. He's like, nah, my food is to do the will of God. I'm doing God's work. Then verse 35, Jesus says this. You know the saying? Four months between planting and harvest. So he's saying, usually, you know, you plant and there's a time period and there's harvest that's coming. Just keep working hard, keep pushing on. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The field is ripe for harvest. He's using a farming metaphor and the harvest is always about changed lives and people coming to a, a new knowledge of who God is. Let me tell you something, church. The field is ripe for harvest. McCracken County, the city of Paducah, is ripe for hearing about the love of God and a new plan that he has for them. The only problem is, it depends on you using your voice to share the message. It doesn't matter how great our worship is. It doesn't matter if, you know, we've got a great communicator up here from the stage. It's dependent on you actually sharing. It's depending on you saying, come and see and inviting. It starts with you seeing the person in front of you. 
you're an influencer and a difference maker. She goes back to town and she tells everybody. And then verse 39 says, many Samaritans. The fact that even just one would come to God is incredible. But many of this hated people group come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. From this one woman who just started saying, I met this guy and he told me everything and I'm going to use my voice to tell everyone else. Jesus chose to reveal himself not to a king, not to a great rabbi, not to a celebrity in the town, but to a woman that was from Samaria that had a shady past that other people would have just ignored and shunned. He said, that one. You're never someone that God can't use. I think that's why he shows us time after time in scripture. He's not even saying, I need you to be like this. He's saying, it doesn't matter even if you're like this. I can use anyone. And I will use anyone who's available and willing. A lot of us, we're all looking for the world to be better. And God says, that's why I put you here. That's why I put you here. That's why I taught you about the kingdom of God and what that looks like. It's because I want you to be kingdom people that are impacting this world on my behalf. I choose you. I don't need you to be perfect. I just want you to just live your life in a way that honors me, being an image bearer. You have influence. I brought a couple people with me today. And these are men of great influence, but you don't even know them. And most people that are around don't know them very much. I'm gonna introduce you to a couple of my friends that came here from Clarksville today. Um, the first one here, his name is El Greco. And he is my intern at LifePoint Church. Um, he's been around church life for a while but he's currently an intern, and this is Nate. Nate was an intern a few years ago, and now he serves part-time on staff with us. And both of these guys are on the path to becoming credentialed ministers and pastors, already ministers, they're already pastors, but they're gonna be credentialed pastors with us at LifePoint. So I brought them here. Can you welcome them with me today? And I, I brought these guys here because they both drive me crazy, because... There's nowhere that I've gone with them where they're not talking about church to somebody or inviting someone to know Jesus. And so I said, well, you know, I want to be more like you when I grow up. Um, And sometimes there's power in somebody just sharing their testimony and sharing, you know, what God's done in their life and how God's using them. And so I've asked them just to share a moment recently when you've shared your faith with somebody. So I'm going to start with El Greco, just a moment where you've recently shared your faith. Absolutely. Well, every uh, Christmas season, me and my wife go on a cruise. We've done this for probably the last 12 to 15 years. Well, this Christmas, we went to um, St. Martin, to the Caribbeans in St. Kitts. That was our second stop. That day, on the 27th of December, I wasn't feeling good at all. And we hadn't been to St. Kitts since 2015, so I felt I needed to go. I needed to push through, and I'm so glad that I did. We got off the ship. I asked a guy, I said, hey, I want a private tour just for me and my wife. I don't want anybody else in in the vehicle, just us. And he said, okay, let me make a phone call. He calls this lady, and he hands me the phone. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't know anybody here. And she gets on the phone, and I tell her what I want. She says, I'll be there in two to five minutes. When she shows up, I started talking to her. I'm still feeling bad. So our first stop on this tour, my wife gets out. I get out with my wife, and then I get back in the van. I'm just feeling horrible. And she asked me a question. She said, are you a pastor? 
And I said, no, I'm not. I said, but I've been called by God to preach the gospel. So at that moment, that light bulb went in my, off in my head. This is why I'm here. She was struggling and didn't know Christ. And I said, do you know Jesus Christ? And she said, I know of him, but I don't serve him. So at that moment, God kicked in and said, this is your opportunity to tell her about me. So I told her about him. I said, do you believe God died on the cross? She said, I do. I said, do you believe he was raised from the dead? I said, I need you to open your mouth, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And I had her say the sinner's prayer. There's a picture of her that uh, we sent. Her name's Nadir. But she got saved that day, turned her life over to Christ. That was the reason why I was on that trip. That's the reason why I went on that cruise. Not to have fun or to have a good time with my wife, but God sent me as his res representative to bring her to, to him. So I was honored by that, that she accepted Christ and made him her personal savior that day. Yeah, and just, El Greco, we, so I'll just, we were at a store the other day and he heard somebody just mention the city of Paducah and all of a sudden, he's inviting people to this church that he don't even go to because he knows that I'm here. And so, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's not just a one-time thing. I've, I've seen this. Nate is another one that's always sharing his faith. Do you have a recent just time when you've been able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, my neighbor had asked me if I wanted to buy some BMW rims from him. And I was like, yeah, I've got a BMW. That makes sense. We agreed upon the price. Then I was like, all right, well, I'll get back to you. Are you good with me waiting for a little bit? He's like, no problem. The next day he comes to me. He's like, hey, man, I kind of need that money for groceries. I was like, all right, so let me get this money together. So I'm an entrepreneur by heart, so I go out and get on Facebook, and I'm like, what can I sell? What can I do? How can I make this money real quick? And so I see a guy who needs some welding done on his car, needs the exhaust put back on so he can sell it. So I'm like, hey, I got you. Come on over. So when he came over, I wasn't expecting him to show up with his whole family but he did. And so I'm now watching him as I weld on his car, interact with his family. So it was really cool to see that dynamic of um, the love and care that he had. And so then I, after got done, just decided to ask him, I, I could tell from his cut that he was from, or in the military and that he definitely wasn't from around here. So we're talking, just kind of discussing his walk and I asked him if he had found a church or anything like that. He's like, nah, but we're looking. And so I said, well, you found one. So come on down, let's go to church. So he came to church th that next Sunday. Then he calls me a couple days later, and he's like, yo, I've got to get baptized. And I'm like, all right, so what do you want to do? He's like, like i got to go now. You, I'm going to JRTC this week, so I, I need to make sure this gets done. I don't know what kind of demons I'm going to fight, but I need the, the spirit. So I was like, well, let's go to the river. And he's like, all right, let's go. So we went down to the river that day. He got baptized. Super amazing um, that we got to do this. His name's Mike. Um, what's really cool is we've actually built more of a friendship now. We ride motorcycles together. We hang out. We talk about Christ. I, I called him last night just to tell him about this. And he actually was going to come here to show you guys that the power of God is really amazing. Um, but his kids got sick, so he didn't end up showing up. But it really is amazing to see God work and, and see how relationships can be built you never thought would make. And then we got Mike and me. Yeah. So I'll start with Nate. Why is sharing your faith so like vital and important to you personally? Uh, definitely because of my childhood past. I'm one of those kids that grew up really, 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 really rough. 
And so when I found Jesus in 2017, I was like, man, I'm, my life has changed and everybody needs to know who this guy is that walks with me on the daily. Even when I was lost and not seeing him, I can now look back and see God's grace on my life throughout the chaos that I was creating in the world. And God's like, no, we're going we're gonna to save this guy. So, How about you, Greco? Well, um, I have a, a, a different past. I'm a former gang leader of one of the most notorious gangs in America. And um, I got into that when I was 20 years old. And I got delivered out by God at age 47. So I seen a lot in the world and I've done a lot. But God delivered me from a alcohol addiction that I had a half a gallon of Grey Goose a day drinking habit that I drank that every, I had a thousand dollar a week um, drinking habit. And God delivered me from that at an altar of a church. I didn't have to go to rehab, I didn't have to go anywhere. He delivered me in an instant. And on that last day in December of, De of uh, December 2015, he delivered me out of bondage, out of all the evil that I had been involved in, and he saved my life that day. So for the rest of my life, I will declare the glory of God, and I will speak his word, and I will tell the truth about Jesus Christ. So that is my passion, and that's what I'm going to do until the day I die, is tell people about Jesus Christ. Yeah, Gregor right now is putting together for our church a program to help people that are coming out of addiction and are going through recovery. He's like, who better to help them understand the keys of someone that's had to actually unlock that gate? So it's not that he's against those programs. He just had God deliver them in a different way. Um, but we know that there is value to those as well. I told these guys we were sitting back there. And I said, if somebody from our past saw the three of us up on this stage, they would be um, having a heart attack. I told them, you know, at one point I ran into, we were at a, convention with a bunch of pastors and I ran into the former student pastor that I was in his student ministry and caused chaos, hell, almost blew up fireworks tents, stole stuff, did all kinds of nasty things. And he saw me and he goes, Delaney? And I was like, yeah. He goes, what are you doing here? I was like, man, I'm a minister. And I goes, what? And he was just shocked. And I'm sure the same is true with you guys. Like, if somebody saw you up here today, what, what would they think? Why? What, you know, how? Because she was defined as a Samaritan woman outcast that God changed. How would, God, how would somebody have defined you? Well, actually, for the past six years, I've been a pastor's assistant. But when I first got saved, there was people that walked in his church and said, what is he doing here? He's a professional <laughs> criminal. He's a gangster. But... The glory of God, the glory of God. I have no past. I've been washed clean by God's blood. So my sins have been forgiven, but I walk up right now and through him I am righteous and I will speak the word of God and how good he's been to me. Yeah, I actually this past Sunday had a formal friend, female, walk up to me with her mother-in-law and go, Mom, you would never believe this guy right here. Like this guy's the violence, the chaos, everything that he used to go through, this is a changed man. And to see God work, like, this is how I know God works. It's just through you. And I'm like, man, that's wild. Thanks for introducing me like that. <laughs> and here's, here's one other thing that I think all three of us would want you guys to know and understand. You don't need to have some crazy story 
to let God get the glory in your life. If you've always kind of been on the path and been doing right, how amazing is God's grace in your life? Because you've still been tempted. You still have something that God's done through you. You don't need to have, you don't need to make something up. You don't need to go through something hard to still give God glory. I guarantee you, all three of us would, you know, we wouldn't trade our past because we've learned from it, but I wouldn't want to ever relive that, and I wouldn't want that for my children ever. Um, So don't think you can't still have an amazing testimony just because God's always kind of kept you in his hand. Okay, so don't think that as well. Hey, can we give our guys up here a hand? Thank you, guys. Again, the fields are ripe. Harvest is ready. I want to give you guys just a few things that you could do. First thing is just ask God every day to give you opportunities to share his love. Just real quick, just say a simple word, God, you put people on my path. Put people on my path today. Let me see them. Let me have opportunities to see people one-on-one. And then talk to the person in front of you. Have a conversation with them. Find some common ground. My middle child is great at this. She'll compliment people and just start a conversation. Sometimes a compliment is an opening to have a conversation with somebody. Sometimes it's just simple as saying, hey, it's a, a waiter or waitress, thank you guys. How can I be praying for you this week? Just start a conversation. As you conversate with people, start talking about a better life, a hope that God has for them. It may seem strange. Sometimes you gotta get, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Talk about truth. If you know them, well enough, start talking about sin or if God puts a nudge on you. It's not maybe not the, the best initial approach. It might be, but we can't be afraid of talking about it either. It's like a doctor that never gave you a diagnosis. How would you know how to get better? Sometimes you just need to know. But don't talk about it as I'm better than you. Talk about, man, I got a grace and a gift that is the healer of all healers. And if all else fails, you're just like, not all the way comfortable yet sharing my faith or talking about Jesus or sharing the gospel. You know what you can do is a simple thing. Just invite them to church. Every time that they come to church, I promise the person that's up here is going to share the gospel. They're going to share the good news that we're sinners, that God came down as Jesus Christ, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross to pay the penalty and punishment for my sin, was put in a tomb and on the third day rose giving us an opportunity to have a better life here on this earth, but eternal life in the kingdom when we repent and follow him. If you don't feel ready, just invite him. You heard my friend share today about just recent things, and I wanted to share something too. So they've got a natural bent towards evangelism. It is a gift. It honestly is. And some people just naturally just move towards that. But even if that's not your natural temperament and gift, it doesn't mean you get off the hook of never doing it. That's not my natural leaning, but I don't get off the hook of not doing it. So when I was writing this message this week, I was at a coffee shop. And I just prayed like I do every day. But this time, sometimes, you know, you pray a prayer a lot and then you pray the prayer and you're like, okay, now I'm really thinking about what I'm praying and really, really meaning it. It was one of those times like, okay, God, I know I pray this a lot, but you put somebody in my path and I promise I will tell them about your love but please don't do it. (laughs) And I'm sitting there writing, and I've got my headphones in, but I've clicked them off the mode where I can't hear anything anymore, so I can kind of still hear the background noise. And and I start hearing sniffling. And it's not a I'm sick sniffles, it's a I'm crying sniffles. 
and I turn and I see an older woman that's just over there looking out the window and crying. I'm like, oh no. You get the God nudge like, all right, you prayed for it. Here it is. And I'm not the immediate get up and move. I was like, okay, let's go. I just walked over. I said, hey, are you doing all right? Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I said, are you sure? I said, you know, I'd love to pray for you. And we just start this conversation. And it happened that her husband had recently passed away. She was grabbing some coffee and waiting for a friend to come pick her up and give her a ride. Just a week or so ago is the anniversary of my father passing away. I got to sit and empathize with her, to talk to her, to share Jesus with her, to pray with her and invite her to church. And man, I was so pumped up after that. I text my wife right away, you gotta know, because a lot of times as a minister, I don't get as many opportunities as, and that's a lie too, I just don't look for them. I saw it. And I was like, thank you, God. And then even something else really cool happened because not only did God give me an opportunity, he said, okay, you've done the thing, now let me encourage you in a way. Because a lot of us, we might be a little bit afraid to to step out because, eh, what if they just blow me off? What if they don't even come to church? What if I say, hey, can I pray for you? And it never, I don't feel like it's making any difference. You don't know the seed that you're planting. You don't know the chain that you're linking together that's finally gonna lead to getting them where they need to go. Your job is just to be faithful. Just to be faithful. And so I'm sitting there and I get a tap on the shoulder and I turn my head and I see a teenage-ish age girl and I serve at a church that's pretty, it's a pretty big church in the community and so it's a lot of times you'll run into people from in town and and I get the look like, oh no, I don't know who this person is. And I've got to play pretend like, hey, how are you? Because she notices and recognizes who I am. And she goes, Pastor Mark. And I'm like, oh Lord, is this my daughter's friend? Um, why do I know this person? I'm trying to put the pieces together. And she could tell I didn't know who she was. Thank God. And she said, you used to teach us in kids' church. And she introduced herself. And finally, I put the pieces together. I probably taught this girl when she's nine-ish, 10-ish years old. And now she looked similar, but different. And I thought, wow, I'm getting old. Um, but then I, we started talking. She was in town, her family had moved away, they're military, but now she's back looking at um, a college in the area. And we just had a discussion and it, it, was, it was good. And the, the time came to an end. And as I first, very, very first started preaching and teaching, even just kids, I realized that as I'm speaking, most of you, including you guys, will forget in two, three, maybe even tomorrow, weeks, what I said. And the reason I know that is because I forget what I said. And so if I can't remember how, honestly, it might make an impact and a difference and motivate you for a bit, and that's great, but you might, you'll probably forget what was actually said. And so even when I very first started, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna say something every single week that no matter what, if they forget everything I said, they'll remember God loved them, God has a plan for them, and God's bigger than any need. I've said it every time I've preached on a stage, I've said it every time to little kids, and we're wrapping up this conversation and not even thinking, I say, hey, I was so glad catching up, never forget, God loves you. And that was all I was gonna say. And she goes, and he has a plan for me, and he's bigger than all my needs. I'll never forget that. And I about started bawling. Cause like, it's just a stupid little seed that I've been planting 
but it's not a stupid little seed. It's God's promises. And I'm just like, I'm going to keep sowing it. It's, you could forget everything I ever say, but if you remember that God loves you, he has a plan for you, and he's bigger than your needs, man. God wants to use you to make a difference and an impact in somebody's life. You're an influencer. You're a difference maker. But you got to use your voice. So I'm going to encourage you this week. Have a conversation with someone. Next week, we're going to jump into the best part of this message, which is actually going backwards in the conversation. And when you, I want you guys to invite somebody here because we're going we're gonna to have a celebration like we haven't had on a Sunday since I've been here for a while. We're going to baptize people. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to do baptisms at the end of service. And here's why. Because I want people to come here and be so moved and motivated by the love of Jesus Christ that on the spot that day, they say, you know what? It's not about me raising my hand or saying a prayer. I'm going to follow the biblical model and I'm getting dunked in water because I've given my life to Jesus. But none of that can happen unless you bring somebody here invite them with you. Every Wednesday, I'm, gonna, I'm here. This Wednesday, I'm going to be here. I'm going to go to lunch, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to invite random people to come to church at Relevant Church next Sunday and party with us. Come and see. Come and see what God is doing in this place. We're going to be a church that's for Paducah, but it's going to use us using our voice. So use it. You've got it. Step out. Pray. Ask God to put people in your path that you can communicate the love of Christ to.